Welcome in the Key Podcast Basketball Edition. I'm Brian Marcolini, and we have two guys on the line. The whole Key Play Hoop staff, Pearson Boer. Say what up, Pearson. What's happening, Brian? And the one, the only, he woke up from a nap for this, Joey Coogan. Yo, how's it going? It's it's going. Um, so we're so it it's Tuesday night. We're just coming off the uh, we're coming off that Sunday game. Virginia Tech's coming off that Sunday win over Boston College, 85-79 win uh, in Castle Coliseum. A win's always good. Um, but Joey, you wrote the gamer. Was there more cause for concern on Sunday night than anything? Yeah, I mean, you said it. They won, um, moved to five and four in the ACC, but you know, not an overly encouraging win. Um, I guess Jordan Chapman had what six threes in the first half, nine or ten for the game. For I think he finished with thirty points. Um, a lot of a lot of different kind of mishmash zone defenses going from a two three to a three two. Uh, mixing in a matchup zone that has been an adventure um, kind of all season long. <laughs> so a six-point win against BC is a six-point win against BC, but you know definitely nothing that I would write home about. Jordan Chapman, yeah, he ended with 30 points, nine, three, uh, nine consecutive three-point, three-pointers made. He missed two at the end. But he just – he basically destroyed anything that Tech threw defensively. He just found a hole in the zone and, and – drained it i mean he drained it obviously it's it's probably a bit of an outlier but if you go shot through shot by shot of of all of his threes almost all of them were open which was the biggest problem yeah it wasn't like it was steph curry draining you know 30 footers with guys in his face um you know most of them were were pretty good looks to say the least Pearson, you and I talked about this the um, the last time we had a podcast. We were a little bit concerned about the defense, and it comes out in and Boston College is the first game in this or the second game in this really tough stretch. Uh, UNC, BC, two UVA's, and a Miami, and it's not like they between the loss at Carolina and the win over BC. It's I don't think Tech made us feel any better. No, I I, I think we can all agree that. All of the reservations or concerns that we had coming out of the Clemson game sort of bore themselves out against BC and eliminate the North Carolina game, push that aside. There's a you know maybe a height, a talent. There's a, a big gap between the two programs right now. But BC and Clemson, I think, are for comparison. Um, and the fact that they were allowing two teams to exploit them defensively as badly as they did one of which occurred at home is is very concerning and i think it showed that the hokies inability to lock down the perimeter continues to be an enormous problem you know what north carolina did on during the week was something you chalk up to talent what boston college did and specifically jordan chapman a guy who averages 7 points a game to go off like he did is a major concern both now and moving forward towards the tournaments that occur at the end of the season and that and that's the thing right it's that it, this isn't a concern with playing small everyone's everyone's concern going into the season was how small ball would impact them defensively this isn't a small ball problem it's just Seth Allen and Justin Robinson and even Chris Clark and and others just getting blown by or just or just getting beat off the ball for open threes. I mean, it's 
usually when you play small, your perimeter defense is pretty good because you have a bunch of perimeter players. Uh, not so much right now. Yeah, I think when you look at UVA, you know, if we want to compare them with them next on the slate, they're playing at a, with a considerably smaller lineup than they traditionally do, you know, more of a four-guard set. But the one thing that Tony Bennett preaches, granted he's a defensive first kind of guy, is there's a lot of discipline in in their defensive sets. And I, you know, not to sort of hang buzz out to drive, but I really do question how much focus they put on defense as opposed to, you know, I think as you said last week, more of a smoke and mirrors approach, acknowledging the fact that they have a lot of shortcomings. What you know, whether it's a guy like Robinson or maybe Ahmed Hell has sort of dropped off a little bit. It's it's a problem, you know. Rather than trying to figure out a way to succeed and 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 work collectively, instead they look like they're running around like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off as they try and set up in their half court. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the comparison between UVA and, and and Tech is two totally different, you know, distinct kind of philosophies to basketball. UVA is going to hang their hat on defense, you know, the pack line, all that. And, and Tech, it's almost like we're going to try to survive on defense. We're going to try to figure out how we can close enough possessions with a stop and a rebound to where our offense can make up for that. Um, and some of that is obviously personnel, but some of that is, like you said, UVA is not – you know, they're not big this year. Um, some of that's just Buzz's philosophy. Yeah, I guess. But it, it really does worry me where, like, Justin Robinson last year was a pretty good defender. He wasn't great. He wasn't he wasn't a stopper by any means, but he was pretty good. Seth Allen hasn't ever been the best defender in his uh, in his <laughs> time either here or in, or in College Park. But Ahmed Hill... He's been a good defender. We've seen Chris Clark be a good defender at times. Justin Bibbs, often a good defender. And a lot of those guys still late late to their closeouts, l- completely lose guys off the ball, or get blown by on the ball. I mean, it's it's a it's a concern for a team that wants to that wants to actually make an impact in March. I, I almost wonder how much of it has to do with communication also. One thing I noticed against Boston College was, you know, whether they were in a 2-3, the 3-2, or the matchup, um, one of the things, the areas that Chapman exposed most was the corner. And it looked like no matter who the wing player was that was responsible for closing out, they would close out up to, let's say, you know, out on the perimeter, on more on the wing, and the second there was a second swing pass to the corner, whoever the post player was, wasn't able to provide that help defense. Almost as though, I, I don't know if it was a an assignment issue where they were be t- being told to stay closer to the block or if they were just late to the party, but whether it's the handoffs that occur or, or you know, just being able to talk to one another and you know communicate, you know, help, 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 it's not happening. So you're getting a lot of guys getting hung out to dry and – even semi-capable perimeter shooters are killing the Hokies right now. Yeah, and, and I get that that Chapman was was clearly not, you know, the biggest priority on defense. Clearly, um, Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman were, you know, at the forefront of Tech's mind. But when he makes six threes in the first half, and then you yeah. you go talk about it at halftime, and he still comes out in the in the second half and knocks down two in the first four minutes or the f- first five minutes or whatever it was. I mean, that's just you kind of shake your head and like. You know, how does that happen? Yeah, it doesn't make it just doesn't make any sense. I was watching um I think it was Bibbs talk 
in the post game, and he said he was like, he, he just gave uh, what's his name all the credit the the BC shooter. I, he's so he's so anonymous that I've already forgot his name because it just like it just doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, he goes to Boston College, so right. Well, <laughs> shout shout out Chestnut Hill. Shout out <laughs> the time that Chipotle like wrecked the basketball team. Um, <laughs> but. He just said, "Oh, you know, he was a he was a smart player. He just kind of snuck around in the zone. Then all of a sudden, he got the ball and, and and he drained it. And it and I get it in a way because you can, as a shooter, find soft spots in the zone. You would think that after six or seven threes in a row, you'd look at him and say, mm, maybe I should shade back a little a little closer. Maybe I should maybe I should keep an eye or one eye on him, you know, wherever he goes, because he's kind of single handedly keeping the game close." It's just, it's just not smart defending. It's almost like they applied the Zach Lede defensive effect, where okay, he made one. It's not like he's gonna hit the next right, one. Right, I mean, right, watch right. Watch his shot. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, but it, it's a win, and I mean to keep pace in the ACC, they're they're kind of in that what the the, the third tier. There, there's the upper echelon, then there's the next couple teams and then there's a bunch of teams tied at five and four it's kind of where we wanted them to be at this point of the year right so we can only i I guess we can only complain but so much yeah i mean i think with uva miami and then uva again um getting that win against boston college um if they were to lose that game go four and five conceivably go one and two in these next three i mean then you're you're not looking at a a favorable uh a favorable record in the acc so I guess looking ahead now, um, Virginia at Virginia on Wednesday, they have a whole week off and then it's at Miami and then Virginia at home. So that's two Wahoos in three games, which is interesting. I don't know how that's going to kind of impact the matchup, but what what's what's a realistic expectation going into a stretch where they play UVA twice and at Miami in the middle of it? I think if they can get out of that stretch one and two, yeah. it'll be okay. They'll still be at 500 in the conference. Can um, they do that, though? Well, I think that's the big question. I, the fact that you the home-and-home home with UVA helps, obviously. You get one home game. It's on a Sunday night. It's already sold out. That'll be a huge benefit. However, Miami on the road, it's a long trip. Uh, Laranig has always got a bunch of – Athletic wings who can shoot you out of the gym on the right day. Uh, dangerous post players. He's reloaded with a couple of freshmen that are f- super talented, and that makes them that much more dangerous. And they, much like Georgia Tech, are one of those quint- sort of what has become in this season a quintessential like ACC you know, zombie team where you right. sort of think that they're ah, they're okay. The juggernauts can can take them down with some ease. It shouldn't be too bad. And then all of a sudden they surprise everybody, you know, and it's, it's one of those situations where they're tech and Miami are very different, but at the same time, like I, I think I'm, it's natural for me to just assume Miami is very much the favorite home or away. You know, they're just, yeah. there's something about them. There's this air about them that I feel like they're just going to be that much harder to, to top. Joey, as a gambler, do you expect Tech to be even close to favored in any of those three games? Not yeah, even no, favored, it's, but it's like— It's funny you ask that because I was literally just going that route. I mean, Tech will be 
I would say double digit 10 to 12 point dogs against UVA. Um, probably seven, eight point dogs on the road in Miami. And, and depending on the outcome of the first game against, uh, against Virginia, I would expect a, you know, a pretty small line again in, at Castle. So to yeah, answer your it, question, no. <laughs> Continually be underdogs three games in a row. <laughs> so what do they – so obviously the one you kind of have circled is Virginia at home in Blacksburg uh, February 12th. But what can they do in Charlottesville on Wednesday night – to to kind of at least make you think, at least show some progress because I I don't think it's gonna be the last time we saw a promising tech team go to UVA they got trounced I was there it was it was pretty bad um I don't think it'll necessarily be as as bad as as it was or it has been since Buzz has been here yeah I mean I don't. I don't think this is a UVA team that really has the horses to to run many talented programs just off the floor as have in the past. I mean, last year with Brogdon and Pontus on the wing, I mean, that's two two guys in the backcourt that you know can both put twenty on you. And I think this year, I mean, obviously London Francis is a good player, but he's not somebody that's just gonna. It's going to go hang 25 points by himself. He's not just, he's not really his own shot creator, kind of like a Seth Allen guy. The, um, the Indiana, the on, Indiana white guy terrifies me. Him. Okay. But UVA, you know, if, if you match up and play solid defense, they're going to go at a pace. It shouldn't be too much to ask to keep it close. Kyle guy. Yeah. Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah, Kyle guy. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, I mean, did you guys see Ty Jerome against Villanova on uh, Sunday? Yeah, he was good. He was good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's two different ways. Yeah. And went out against Villanova, the number one team in the country, and hung like 15 points. It was crazy. Yep. Yep. Um, but I wouldn't expect. I mean, if Ty Jerome scores 15 against Tech, Tech's gonna lose. Yeah. I think. I. I think going back to what you were saying, Joey, regarding the wings too. You know, Perantes went off in Castle last year, if I remember correctly, and obviously Brogdon was the thorn in their side. But I think one of the other elements that uh, we need to talk about as to how this matchup is probably closer than it's been in years past is the fact that UVA doesn't really have those two-way post players like Anthony Gill and Mike Toby that they had in the past. Plus, you know, when they lost Austin Nichols, who was supposed to be that that guy Tony Bennett wanted to plug in their place that really limited them. And now he's playing with four more of a four guard set. And so I think that just having that edge, you know, that which has been an issue for them matching up with teams like Florida state, like North Carolina in the past, where they're just getting really beat up on the boards, you know, from a, a statistical standpoint, these two teams compare to one another quite closely, both in the rebounding standpoint and even just in a, a shooting standpoint. So I think that, you know, if Tech can, can really find their groove from the three-point arc, I think that's going to make a big difference. The fact that the two teams rank number two and number three, respectively, in the conference in three-point shooting, and number one and number two in field goal shooting, it's going to be tight on the offensive end. But I think Tech's ability to sort of stretch the floor and, and shoot from three is going to help. question is, can they sustain it? I don't feel 
great going. I, I know you guys are, are being kind of positive, but I don't know how much tech is prepared to handle the, the pack line. Um, and I, and I know they, they play a lot smaller UVA does than they, than they have in the past, but think about the way that tech kind of like when all else fails, what do they do? And it's, it's, they, they get it inside till the day Clark takes someone off the dribble. It's basically just smashing themselves right into the teeth of the defense and that's exactly what UVA wants you to do. They they want you to put your head down and blindly drive, and then when you look, and then when you look up, like seven UVA guys are are surrounding you in in the paint. I mean, it's just it just seems like they're a team kind of unless they can kick it out, unless Bibbs and Hill and all those guys can can sink threes. It it seems like they're kind of the team built for UVA to just suffocate. I'm going to take this silence to mean that we both agree. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like if Seth Allen or Justin Robinson can be efficient in driving to the hoop and either A, finishing at the rim, or B, you know, making good passes um, to open guys, then then great. But it, it's, it's going to be a challenge against a, a very solid defense in, in UVA. I will say this, and I brought it up last week, um, and I know Joey might disagree, but... Zach Ledet, like he has a he has a tendency or an ability to kind of throw a wrench in what UVA does efficiently by stepping out and hitting one of those ugly ass threes. And if he can step out and hit one or two ugly threes, it kind of breaks it kind of breaks them because now they don't know if they should respect it. The the, the rotations are just a little different if if the big post guy comes comes out and and starts shooting and so if he if he steps out steps out and nails a couple I, I kind of think all bets are off. You love that, right, Joey? Uh, I, if I was UVA, I would let Zach Lede shoot as many threes as his heart desires. Oh, oh, and they will. But when he hits two of them, they it, they get at least a little nervous, right? Ryan Zach Lede is not hitting two threes on tomorrow night. Okay, hold on. <laughs> all right, first of all, you can't. You can't just openly detest him on the on the podcast because he's he's the beacon to what we all love. He's the beacon to what we all love. He hit three threes against NC State. Now that doesn't say anything because they lost by like forty points. Yeah, he has not hit more than one three this year in a game outside of that. But but three for four. In a seventy to sixty-eight win over UVA last year, I'm just saying it could happen. Get get that little shot put action. Just throw hey, it up. If if you're giving we've me, seen if it. You're giving me, if you're giving me odds, I will take them happily. <laughs> uh, Joey hates Zach Liday, and I don't get it. That's not true. I hate Zach Liday shooting threes. You, I, I, I don't think you're. I think what you said at the beginning before we started to record was that I'm tired of Zach Liday and I cannot wait for him to graduate. Which you just is a sold sad him thing out. to say. <laughs> yeah, but it's, <laughs> it's fine because we, you know, we get it. I, I understand. You just, you're, you're a hater. Zach Liday is the patron saint of all of us, sh- people who are too short 
or too awkward or too unathletic to play college basketball. He makes being awkward and gorky and completely uncoordinated look cool and effective. And if he can do it, it gives the rest of us hope. Pearson, you need to start watching Duke play because Luke Kennard is my spirit animal. Luke Kennard at least has a, a tiny bit of athleticism. No disrespect Luke to Zach Kennard, Lube. Luke, Luke Kennard's like a good, like a, like a legitimate NBA prospect. Oh yeah, just Luke because Kennard. you like white swing guys does not mean you can hate on Zach Lede. I mean, Luke Kennard is the best player on Duke, and it's not very close. This isn't a Duke podcast, dog. I'm aware. I'm just saying. He Joey sends me texts and Slack chats every single time Luke Kennard hits a three. No, it's it's if he, if he hits two threes and it's oh, you see you see Luke Kennard, my boy look my my, my boy Luke's cooking. I mean, I mean, you can tell who's on the basketball Twitter Twitter uh, channel. Yeah, by the if, content of the tweets. If it's about well, Duke yeah, basketball, if, if it's if it's, it's garbage tweets, it's Joey. Oh, if it's, I infor- go that if, far. if it's informative, it's Pearson O'Brien. <laughs> if they yeah, involve a lot correct. of if they involve a lot of gifts that don't make sense, Joey. Most certainly, Joey. S- stats and entertaining things, Pearson Bryan. Fair. Tweets about Luke Kennard and other white athletes, Joey. Joey. Absolutely, Joey. Anything that in- contains an F-bomb, Joey. Yeah, probably. I'm trying to think of anything else. Those those are the... If if there's, if there's oh, an F-bomb if, in a tweet, it's 100% Joey. If the yeah. basketball account starts lashing out at yep. uh, Pete yep. Morris and other yep. VT football related oh, accounts. If he starts Joey. yeah, if if, if Joey. Joey Joey uses the Buzzball account to kind of as his personal account. Do you even have a personal account? Yeah, so I have a personal Twitter. I don't really tweet from it. Uh, I don't really use it at all. So yeah, Buzzball is um, is kind of when I get bored on the internet. Um, and, oh good. And, good. And Pete Morris tweets something stupid or or Luke Kennard is going off on ESPN. Yeah, that's kind of that's Joey's domain. Do you do you get, best- do you get kind of like a tweet high from it? I bet you do. I, I bet you might not want to admit it, but like when you have three funny tweets in a row, you probably feel like this Brian, this is good. Right. I don't know if I've ever had three funny tweets in a row. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'm I'm assuming that we all think tech is going to lose against UVA? I mean, if I if you were asking, like if you're putting me on the spot saying who's going to win, yeah, I would say UVA. Um, is it I is think, it closer than we might think? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen a line come out yet, but if it's, like I said, like in the 10 or 12 point range, I wouldn't be shocked if Tech covered. I think right. they have the matchup to keep it close, um, and UVA is just by their by their nature, isn't going to blow many teams out. Um, but I would I would definitely say UVA is the better team. And yeah. they're playing at home. You know, I, I, I'm not trying to compare Villanova and Virginia Tech when I say this, but I think we learned a little bit over the weekend that it reinforces the point that even when Virginia is playing stifling defense against a talented team, they still lack the offensive firepower to put the pedal down and pull away. Yep. And Tech has enough scores that they can, you know, get points in bunches. They can create through a lot of different ways and pull themselves out of those ruts that happen far too frequently. Um, And so I think there's always hope. And I think that that's a major positive for this team going into tomorrow night's game. 
UVA actually kind of reminds me of old school tech football with the really like their their defense was so good that they could basically just be a bow constrictor and and kind of choke teams into the ground, but their offense for the most part and and this wasn't the uh, the case against who they beat Notre Dame earlier l- last week they they kind of pulled away because they were hitting shots, but. More often than not, a team of lesser quality can stick around for for a half, for two thirds of a game, basically because no one on UVA's hidden hidden shots. And so, if that happens, I I mean, Tech could Tech could take it to the last couple minutes, and then once a the game's in the last couple minutes, I mean, anyone could pull away, home or road, really. Well, and and part of the reason why Tech beat UVA last year was because they were able to get the, get out in front of them and not allow UVA to set up in their half court defense. And I think if yeah. if Tech can 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 play that transition game and play it well for a sustained period of time, that's going to throw them completely out of sorts. And I, I think as long as they can try and get some grasp on the the pace of the game, then you know there's again there's a good shot. It's not we can't completely discount them, but it's obviously going to be a slog and an uphill battle for them on the road, but they could do it. Pearson, Tech beats UVA if one thing. Uh, if uh, the who's come out uh, fighting a post-Villanova hangover? Um, no, I, I think that they've got a little bit of... Um, I, I, I'm sure UVA is still sort of, to, to be blunt, pissed about the fact that they yacked away the game. Yeah. Um, national stage on the road uh, in an NBA arena. There was a lot on the line there, and they had it. They had that whole game, and and I I, I know that it's somewhat cliche for us to sort of dwell on a game like that. Um, this is a rivalry game; they should be focused on it. But I think that they're they have a little bit of a superiority complex right now. Complex right now in this matchup, and I'm sure there's a part of them while they'll publicly say they're not overlooking. T- I, I would not be surprised one bit if their mind's still a little bit on what could have been. And I, I think that that's going to play a factor, at least uh, you know from a mental edge standpoint. So if Tech comes in with a chip on their shoulder here, feeling like they're playing with house money, like we were talking about going to, to UNC, you know, it, it, it's certainly a positive. Joey, same question. Tech beats UVA if what? If Seth Allen severely outplays London Parentis. Which is... it's. Man, my guy's been playing pretty well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's very much within the realm of possibility. I guess I should add, if if Seth Allen and Justin Robinson outplay Perantes and Shayok. Um, I mean, I think Allen's been, been really, really good over the last few weeks. I mean, even the, the whole season, but especially over the last few weeks to the last month. Can I read a little tweet that I favorited that um, yeah, Hall it. of Fame scribe Dave Teal sent out the other day? He wrote, in the last six games for Seth Allen, 16.3 points per game, 61.8% from the field, 51.7% from distance, 23 assists to 11 turnovers. That's pretty yeah, good. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yep, he's got his haters, but uh, he's been really, really good. So that actually leads me perfectly into the last topic I kind of want to hit on. Uh, tech is just, I think it's just over. Yeah, just over halfway through uh, the ACC slate. So, I what are the what's been the most surprising thing in conference play for Tech so far? And I will start. 
Seth Allen's improvement as a as just an overall basketball player has been pretty remarkable. Um, just in terms of number of decisions, number of poor decisions, he'll still have the random moment where he goes behind the back in traffic and gets it stolen, or just does something where you where you look at him and just be like, "Man, what are you, what are you doing?" But he's played really well, and he's been Tech's most, I would say, Tech's most consistent player game to game, which is insane to say considering what we saw last year. I'm I'm a hundred percent. Uh, in agreement with that, and I, you know, I think Allen has had more opportunities this season than ever to sort of put the team on his shoulder, and he's succeeded with that. Um, you know, whether it's taking the last shot or being the guy who sort of picks the team up when they're in, in another rut, um, and the, his ability to create shots in different ways and his consistency from distance is it, an incredible improvement from behind the arc. Has been instrumental. I think without those changes, I I can't even imagine where Tech would be right now. It sucks for him in the few, going going forward because he's he's six one, so he's not a he's not a point guard, and he he's he's much more he's much more of a scoring guard. But being six one doesn't really translate to the uh, to the old NBA. Yeah, so, but uh, I, I don't know if I agree with that because if you look at guys. Guys like CJ McCollum, you know, they they've they're more of scoring score first guards. That passing game sort of develops. I mean, even not to compare him to Steph Curry, but Steph Curry wasn't an elite passer coming out of Davidson. He wasn't even an elite ball handler. But those things sort of grew and grew and grew in time. And right, so but I, but they're both at least like Seth is small. Like he's legitimately small. And I know yeah, McCollum's six yeah. three. The difference between six three and six one is is minimal. But McCollum was a well, like, was a much more well-rounded player coming out of uh, where did he go Lehigh than, he went to, than yeah Lehigh than yeah. Allen was um, or than Allen is and Allen's improved dramatically but he doesn't have the mid-range game McCollum had he doesn't he didn't have he couldn't be the pick the pick and roll ball handler that McCollum was in college like I I, I feel for him a little bit because he he has all the makings of. <coughs> Of a Jamal Crawford energy guy off the bench, but it's just, I think he's just a little too small. Yeah, I mean, look, I know me and Brian are kind of the leaders of the Seth Allen train, but Woo! at the end of the day, I think he's a Europe a Europe guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, and I, just to clarify, I wasn't saying that he should be held up at the, in the same regard as those guys, but I, I think that his, he's shown enough this season, especially from an improvement standpoint. I think he deserves a shot. I don't know if he'll stick, but I think he's got a skill set he could find a home. I agree, though. His uh, his diminutive size is going to be probably a huge issue. All right, yeah, Joey. Uh, I, Joey, most most surprising part of Tech's ACC season so far? I mean, I would echo everything you're saying about, about Seth Allen. I, I think when you look at the – I guess it's been nine games as a whole. It's kind of been almost what you would expect. They've kind of beat who you would expect them to beat, um, and with the exception of a – a disaster against NC State down in Raleigh. They've they've lost to who you'd kind of expect them to lose to. Um, I think it'll be interesting um, in the second half of the season if if they can sneak out kind of a marquee win, beat UVA one of these two games, um, steal a win on the road in Louisville. Um, I don't think they necessarily have to do that to make the NCAA tournament, but um, it would definitely be a feather in their cap come March. 
Pearson? What part? Most surprising part of the text? Yeah, most yeah, most surprising. We're still we're still going that. Well, I you know I, as I said before, I think Seth Allen is sort of um, he's really the guy. But uh, you know to sort of change it up a little bit, I think if we could talk about how great Justin Bibbs has been in ACC play, how much he's raised his game both offensively and defensively. Um, I know that's not saying a lot considering the defensive liabilities that we've seen of late, but you know, as we talked about last week, he's clearly their best on-ball defender. And, and we saw it against Boston College. He's starting to get a lot more confident with his stroke, and the fact that he can consistently nail down those open jumpers gives them a solid perimeter threat, which they're going to need big time as they finish up the season. He... He's weird. I I think he's real weird because he he has not had uh, this, this might this is this is by far his worst season shooting the ball. Um, he's not turning it over as much as he has. He's he's getting involved in the offense a little bit more than he ever has. He's by far their best on ball defender, which depending on what defense they play doesn't necessarily matter as much as as it could. But he, I mean, I I don't really know why his shooting's been as as down as it has been. That's actually that's actually another surprise to me. That I mean, a guy who shot forty five percent from three last year is is down to thirty nine, and thirty nine still fine, but it's not uber marksman fine. I think part of that has to do with the fact that it seems like you know at the beginning of the season people were putting out um, like. APBs for him and wondering if he right. got lost in a well. Um, and I, I think a portion of that had to do with him trying to find out what his role was. I think for the first two years that he was in Blacksburg, he was more or less the A number one perimeter scoring threat. And now all of a sudden with so many different options on a team that has five guys right now averaging double figures, um, he was, I think, trying to find his way. He doesn't strike me as the most vocal or assertive person in the world. And so uh, it might be more natural for him to defer in some ways. But if you look at how he's been playing of late, he's been consistent. I wouldn't say he's been accurate, but I I like the fact that he's taking his shots. He continues to shoot um, with some confidence. He's one of the only guys who will occasionally go against orders and follow his shot which has led mm. to a couple of uh, offensive rebounds that some other guys, let's say Hill, um, don't get. Um, and not to compare him too much to Med, but you know we were talking about this off the pod. One of the things that concerns me the most about uh, Med Hill is that you know he doesn't look comfortable at all when he gets the ball in his hands, almost as though he feels like he should be scoring more and he should be playing a bigger role. And a lot of those shots seem forced, whereas Bibbs he seems like he's a little bit more in the flow of the game now. And I, I think that, you know, if we're talking just about ACC play, that's something that uh, sort of warms my heart a little bit because I, I'm starting to feel bad for him. You know, seeing seeing a guy like Bibbs who has relied on in some of the darker days of basketball, um, you want him to follow through on everything. All right. I think, I think that'll, I think that'll do it. Um, we'll probably do another one of these sometime probably before the the big stretch run um 
that they ha- that the team has. They have three. They have three games in under a week. Next week, Miami, Virginia, Pittsburgh. That's a Wednesday, Sunday, Tuesday um, matchup. So we'll we'll be back at you then. But bef- uh, but until then, thanks, guys.